welcome to episode five of Library Cooks. And yes, today we got a special guest, and mm-hmm. we're very excited about that. And you would like to introduce our guest, Yes, Aaron? our guest is Blaine. She is a librarian with me, and she does a lot of food preservation, which is our theme this Yay. time, talking about preserving the vegetables that you might get from the farmer's market, from your backyard garden, from if you do a CSA basket. Maybe you find a Dill Kruger. Yes. Your local grocery store, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I could probably do something with that. Yes, this I've, might I've got be the podcast. Zucchini. Right. I'm going to do something with them. So, so yeah. Blaine, why so, don't you yes. tell us a little bit about uh, the CSA? Because. Yes, so I have a I have a CSA. The one that we have is through UK. Um, there's lots of CSAs. It stands for Community Supported Agriculture. Mm. And usually the way it works is that somebody has a farm and that you agree at the beginning to pay a lump sum, and then you get a box of produce. Usually ours runs, I think, May through just about the end of October. Mm-hmm. They have a few things in November left over. And, um, yeah, so ours, we pick it up every week, and we get a box of vegetables. It's great. That just tells me what I'm going to cook that week. Wow. But we do end up with pounds and pounds of <laughs> zucchini, a lot of those, a lot of cucumbers mm-hmm. and tomatoes. Most recently, we had some grapes that weren't super great for snacking on raw or fresh fruit-wise, so I decided to make raisins. Ooh. Ooh. How did you do that? Well, <laughs> I don't have a food dehydrator, which is sad for me, but um, that's the recommended way, and I think it's a much more efficient way. But I used my toaster oven. And just a small pan that fit in there, put a layer of oil. I used olive oil. Mm. Other oils are also fine. And just take the grapes off the stem, put them on there, and you just wait. It was 200 degrees. And then um, my toaster oven does have a convection feature, which may or may not have been helpful. But it took about three days (laughs) off and on. (laughs) Three days? Well, I would stop it if I was going to leave, you know. Yeah. So So, burn the house down. So this is like a long... (laughs) Like a long running thing, you have to leave it at that temperature for a really long time for the the all that liquid to get dehydrated. Exactly, out. you're just yeah. evaporating the liquid. But okay. a, a feed dehydrator is a lot more focused, and it closes and <laughs> right. it's a little bit better than my. Toaster. But hey, I bet after you had them, you were like, "This is the tastiest three day vegetable or fruit." Sorry, <laughs> they tasted. They're very very tart. They tasted a lot like candy, which you always joke, nature's candy, right? But yeah, it totally but is. Really did. Mm-hmm. They're very concentrated and quite delicious. So um, that is one thing that I've done. I've made a lot of just plain tomato sauce. With the tomatoes, we get lots of different kinds of tomatoes. We've had Roma tomatoes, heirloom tomatoes. Mm. I just put them all in the pot. I chop them up. I don't core them or take the seeds out. Um, You can add onions or garlic or herbs or olives if you like puttanesca. I think that's the proper term for (laughs) olive-y tomato sauce. And then you just I just put it in my pan. I get a little bit of oil and let it medium out and cook and cook and cook and cook and cook. Then when everything gets broken down, I have a food melt. Mm-hmm. And so it has three different sizes. It's like a it's a circular thing that sits on a bowl, and it's got three different kind of blades or filters. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're called. Um, some of them are bigger, and they get finer. So mm-hmm. I prefer a finer food mill, gotcha. but yeah. my husband prefers a chunkier sauce, so we kind of try to strike a balance in my family. <laughs> um, so you put it all in there, and you food mill it, and that'll take out the skins. And the oh, seeds right. okay. and the cores, or because sometimes I'll put um, just like a straight up piece of basil with the stem and everything oh. in there, because I am a lazy food preserver. <laughs> and then the food mill will just like you know gets all that out of the way, and then once you mill it, 
then I cook it down. And that's where you can really get a thickness if you want oh, it because gotcha. you can just cook it later. So you start out with this giant pan and you end up with like three cups of sauce. Is it and you realize <laughs> how many tomatoes it takes to make the world go around. So Yeah. You think, oh, I got a lot. And then you end up with like three cans of tomatoes. And you thought, oh, I thought I was going to have at least six. Yeah. <laughs> but and that no. happened with the raisins, too, yeah. because they were probably about the size of a nickel, these grapes were. And then, you know, <laughs> raisins are not. And so, yeah. yeah, it's amazing the volume. You're like, wow, there's only 12. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, hey, I mean, what it but. I think that's a neat thing to look at as taking something that you would, like, I wouldn't have never thought, oh, I'm going to make raisins. Yeah, like, these grapes are gross. I'm going to toss them. Not, these might make good raisins. Right. I would. I probably would have just, I don't know what I would have done with them, but I probably wouldn't have thought of raisins. No. Well, that's why the thing I like the most about being a member of the CSA is that it tells you what to cook. So you give you mm. this, like, all right, this is what you have to figure out. And so then it's, mm. like, kind of a puzzle or right. a mystery, and it takes one part of the decision-making of feeding your family. Right, because you don't want it to go to waste because you have this abundance of whatever it is, and you're like, oh, now I have to really think of ideas to yeah. what I'm going to do with this stuff. Exactly, because there's, you know, hardworking people out there. Yeah, you're like, I don't want this to go to waste. <laughs> <laughs> and you pay for it already. Yes. So This costs me how much? <laughs> yes, we are not throwing this away. We're, everyone's eating the eggplant now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we were talking about when you got started canning, there was a book that particularly mm-hmm. you thought was helpful. Can you tell us a little about it? Yes, it is called Putting Foods By, which I really just like the title, Putting Food by it just sounded very like homesteady and comfortable right. um and it i am not sure where i came across it i'm probably google maybe a friend i don't mm-hmm. know could have been my librarian i'm not sure <laughs> uh, but this just was like a really great reference book i'm obviously i'm a librarian i appreciate good reference material and it just it's kind of goes vegetable by vegetable um, you can look it up and it'll tell you if it's good for freezing, if it's good for canning, if it's a water bath canning method or a pressure cooking, a oh, pressure wow. canning method, which depends upon the acidity level of the food. Oh, okay. That's the difference there, I guess, because it just kills different bacteria by right. different types. Plus, you, de- you definitely want that to happen. Yes. Yes. You yeah. don't want to yeah. hurt anybody. Right. You don't want to be the one that poisons your family with rancid grapes. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why everyone listening should use a food di- dehydrator and not their toaster oven. <laughs> but um, but I, I just liked it because it kind of told you this is how you can, this is how you blanch which is a really powerful way to preserve all vegetables. Mm-hmm. We often get a lot of kale and chard and spinach and you all this stuff. You can only have that so much. Yes, mm-hmm. you can only have so many kale salads in one week, but you can get a pot of boiling salted <laughs> yes, water, <I> know. <laughs> chop it up, put it in there, yeah. and then freeze it, and then it's ready to go, just like you'd buy a can of frozen spinach at the store. You just have your own oh. frozen spinach, frozen, and you can put it in sauces or smoothies also. Oh, Do yeah. you Delicious find spinach. that certain items that you freeze are better than others, like freeze up better? Yeah, I think, well, that's part of the reason I liked this book is when I, you know, it's an investment of time and of the equipment. Right. And mm-hmm. so I would, like, when I canned the peaches, which was this, you know, transcendental peach experience, I went <laughs> to the orchard and I picked peaches. And so I invested money and time. And then you peel them and then you have to chop them and you have to get the cans or the, the jars ready. So you don't want to do it wrong and no. then have waste all that time and yeah. money. So and I think there's something, but. too, also, if you're looking at this beautiful 
fruit or vegetable and you think, I don't want to mess that up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to ruin the really pretty red tomato there and just like, ah. Really. But I think there's quite the intimidation factor when it comes to caning and preserving. Oh, and yes, definitely. So did you feel like that this dispelled that for you a little bit? That yes. It made yes. It a little did it make scary? you think, I can do this and I have, I can, you know, I can do it right. Yeah. And it also, I felt not to get too, you know, woo and philosophical, but I also felt really <laughs> like connected to this very, you know, historical common thing. Like we, right. this is how people were before there was, you know, a Walmart on every corner. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of felt like this is an important kind of human knowledge that I am learning too. And right. so that, and was I think you're right about nice that. Feeling. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'm glad to see that, I, that people are coming back. Um, not that people stopped canning or preserving their food, but I think there was this idea of like, eh, I can just go to the store and get it. Yeah. And now I think we're seeing an influx of people who are homesteading and raising chickens on their, you know, in their property and growing small, you know, little gardens in their backyard and mm-hmm. and bringing that back. And I and I think that's a great thing. And that's a good point that yeah. you just made. I mean, so. we have a huge stack of books. Obviously, you can't see us, but right. <laughs> we've got a huge stack of books here. You that should see our, just our big piles of books here. Preserving. So there's a lot of knowledge out there that seems to be kind of coming back into the kind of collective knowledge. Yes. Well, and it's it's something, too, that I started to realize I was buying frozen fruit at the grocery store just for smoothies and mm-hmm. It was like, oh, blueberries from Chile. Was, right. You know, we right. grow blueberries here. Right. <laughs> like, with a little effort, you can, you know, and it mm-hmm. does take time. And that is, you know, obviously a, you a, have to a be committed. finite resource, yeah. too, for everyone. But there, and it does retain a fresher taste, I think. I mean, those mm-hmm. peaches that I canned, they were just from the local orchard here, you know, and it was like three months later in October, and I had made some yogurt, and I put the peaches on, and it, they tasted delicious. And it was almost like this tiny ray of sunshine in this jar. <laughs> and it was just so nice. You're I'm like, like, I get it. I get it now. I, I like to think, and maybe this is just something I tell myself, but by preserving local food, I think that it kind of elevates my nutrition level and also obviously supports local economies and stuff, and it's just is a nicer culinary experience. Oh, yeah. And there's something to be said that I picked that, I did that, I canned that, to I went to the store and bought this and put it in my freezer and got it out and used it. I mean, there is a big difference in between putting yourself into the process. There's a sense of satisfaction that comes from it Mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily get otherwise. So what is your favorite thing to can to preserve? Like, What do you feel like tastes even better? After well, preserving it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good question. That is a good question. I'm not a fan of dill, so I've never really liked pickles. But I have started, we had a lot of cucumbers from mm-hmm. the CSA, so I was like, I need to do something with them. So I found a Japanese recipe, which is more of a rice vinegar Ooh. vibe, and those are fantastic because I always love those. Alley. <laughs> yeah, right I love alley. that. Every time I get a bento box, I'm like, please, can I have the little, the little delicious vinegary cucumbers? And so I have figured out how to make those. So that is my thing, um, although I usually just put them in the refrigerator now. That and really fruit, I think, is the best because it's so... You know, it's such a finite, small season. Like, the mm-hmm. fruit is so perishable. And I feel like when we go for the, you know, the peach in January, it's always disappointing. You buy it at the grocery store. It's been yes. on a ship. It's been on a bus. It's been on a train. It's been everywhere. So I really would feel like, like fruit or really short season things are the best, in my opinion, for preserving because it just really retains things in season. Just they taste better. Right. And, and it, more yeah. Enjoyable. That's cool. 
So what do you find is maybe the easiest preservation method if you're just getting started? I think just blanching vegetables and freezing them is super easy. If you have a vacuum sealer, it makes it even mm. easier, but you mm. don't even need one of those. Like you can just use a Ziploc bag. Um, I like for chard or kale. Like sometimes you'll find, like you said, a sale. You know, right. they'll be like, oh, you know, bunches of kale for three for five dollars or whatever. And you end up with bigger than your head of kale so you can just chop it up prepare it you literally throw it in boiling water for a minute or two and then you stick it in like ice water or just i just run cold water over it because i never have enough ice to make an ice water bath and then you can just put it in a ziploc bag and that's all you do make sure you take the air out and what's the, the benefit of blanching I think it retains, I should look it up in this in this book because I don't really know, but I would think that it helps kind of retain some of the structure of the vegetable. I would say, um, yeah. Because of the freezing and the water and how slow our freezers are. It's like are. really quick a process probably does, and maybe it helps just keep it, you know, yeah. sort of reserved in that state, I Something guess. Something that's definitely with the ice water bath yeah. does, is it? Because it stops the cooking because you don't want it to be overcooked because the Mm -hmm. idea is then you would use it. Shocks it, Um, as I say. Yes. But I'm done. The tomato sauce, I'm also really into that because I also did not like tomato sauce for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a picky eater, which is why. Um, And so to get a really nice, fresh jar of tomato sauce, it's like $8 for a jar. No one wants to pay that. And it just, the taste is really not comparable. Although, as many tomatoes as it takes to make a jar, it makes sense why it is that much. So, but still, you can go and get the ones from the farmer that don't look that great right. or, mm-hmm. you know, or kind of ugly and you usually get like a good deal and you can oh, cut yeah, those Oh, yeah, because that's just going to be just yeah. chopped up anyway. Yeah. I, so. I kind of with you on the sauce because I don't buy canned sauce anymore. I just make my own. Um, I always find them too sweet. There's a lot mm-hmm. of added sugar. Yeah. And I'm um, like, it already has its own add sugary, I mean, you know, something to it, but. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really. Tomatoes are very acidic, and so you gotta have commercially they'll cut it because even in just a regular sauce, you'll sprinkle a little sugar in there. Yeah, just cut the acid, but it just goes way too far. Yeah, (laughs) I think in regular sauces, I haven't made my own sauce in a very long time, but it's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, it's just the taste. It's fun to make, and you can you know you can. Grandma it and make it like yeah you know sitting on the stove good. yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're like oh rather than you know oh my house uh, <laughs> my house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much better when good things are cooking yes. in yes. the kitchen and people pay attention people go mm. yeah what's that good smell <laughs> so I have made venison jerky also wow which, yeah which I. I didn't eat a whole lot of, but the people who did ate it said it was good. And oh, that was, wow. Yeah. So how did, yeah, that's a good topic. How would you go about making a jerky or preserving so, meats? So, again, I did borrow a food dehydrator. For this <laughs> so I think you'd have to. Do not one. use your yes. toaster oven for this. But, yeah, we have a, a friend that bow hunts, and he generally just gives us the meat, which has been an interesting process for learning how to handle that. Oh, wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, you just... Slice it really thin. I had a mandolin. Mm -hmm. So I kind of partially put, like, the hunk of meat in the freezer Mm -hmm. for 10, 15 minutes to kind of firm it up a little Mm -hmm. bit. And then just sliced it really thin on the mandolin. And then I just had different soy sauce, herby, salt and peppery things. I think there was, like, a teriyaki one that I did. Then just kind mm-hmm. of a basic one. You had to buy that liquid smoke stuff, which I'm still suspicious of. But uh-huh. So I did some with that and some without. 
<laughs> and I think the, the they everybody liked both of them. Yeah, and again, you just slice it really thin, put it in the food dehydrator, and I can't remember. It was about 12 hours, I'm going to say. It was a long, so you kind of had to be home. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or distrust your dehydrator overnight, <laughs> which, again, I don't recommend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it... You want to be around, sort of see how yeah. how yeah. that's going. Yes. About how long does it last after? Well, I mean, that's the, again, where if you have a vacuum sealer and you can really get all the air out, I would say six months at least, you know, I yeah. think for for meat that has been preserved and maybe maybe there's a lot of salt in it, too. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit longer. But, oh, yeah. um, but getting true. that air out, and I think in a refrigerator it would keep also. Because I know the pickles and stuff keep for about a month in the refrigerator, mm-hmm. which they don't ever last that long because I eat them all. Yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. But but there's worse things, right? Yes. <laughs> People yes. like your food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the book, The Putting Food By, does it also, as it's telling you what the best method is for each type of food, does it tell you how long it keeps and it's still good? Yes. Or? Yes. They cover all the temperatures, all the, and they have gifts, different ways to kind of put the harvest and turn it into gifts, like jams or jellies to give to people. But yes, they go through every technique, how to do it, how to, here's storing cured meat, freezer storage of sausage, all those kinds of stuff. So everything, it goes through, this was really, I felt like I trusted this to not grow weird bacteria and oh, yeah. you know because there are reasons <laughs> yeah. I mean there are reasons why yeah you know, if you you have canned things I mean you have to mo- follow the instructions you really have to pay attention because it can be dangerous if you yeah. don't yeah my mother cans and my grandmother always cans and I remember every once in a while I would hear my grandmother say oh well that one didn't you know didn't seal mm-hmm. got some air in it and yeah. then that one went bad and so you really want to pay attention to <laughs> To, like, how yeah. clean your, you know, if, especially if you're going to have to steam your jars or, you know, or whatever. You want to mm-hmm. make sure you're. Yeah, I think I followed dishwasher instructions. So you would kind of run a shorter cycle with all your jars and that would sterilize them. Right. And then, and then you mm-hmm. you could also do the what they call the boil method, I guess, mm-hmm. on your stove and the big. So. Yeah. And that's the, the, the hardest part about canning is, like, it's always August and it's always 105 oh degrees my gosh. in your yeah. kitchen because you're literally boiling water for, like, eight hours. In your, yeah. Right. So it's definitely, like, a wear a headband, put your head up, and, <laughs> you know, get your spa yeah. <laughs> at the same time. Play your Rocky music. Yeah, same. But it just it feels good to be connected, particularly if you grow things. It's, it's nice oh, to be yeah. connected to the food cycle and, mm-hmm. you know, learn yeah. a new thing. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm on, I'm on the quest to try to work myself up to to can something. I have tons of tomatoes <laughs> uh, in my backyard, and uh, I have a lot of green. To- I have a feeling that um, I'm going to have end up with a lot of green tomatoes. So I'm thinking that I could can them. Maybe make a chutney, make some kind yeah. of make some kind of sauce. Using you could do a salsa. Yes, that's something <laughs> I always think like a green salsa would sound delicious to me because I yeah. have, you know, I, I think I have pretty much all the ingredients growing in my backyard right now. So mm-hmm. other than onion, I don't have that right now. Yeah. But this has a green tomato marmalade. Oh, oh. which I might actually I've always wondered about tomato marmalades if it's just basically got like a sweet ketchup. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I've seen tomato tomato. jam. Yeah. Lemons. Four four lemons, four cups of sugar, and two quarts of small green tomatoes. Mm. Lemon is interesting. I don't know about that. Lemon is the pectin, maybe? Maybe, yeah. And it looks like you use the the rind quite a bit, so. I think the the pectin, that white stuff in the rind is is a very... So there's some... 
like fr- freezer jams and stuff, there's some fruits that you don't even have to add pectin because they have enough in their oh. in their fibery bits or mm-hmm. whatever. So I'm assuming lemon would do. Oh, that makes sense. So what does pectin do since we talked about it? We want to... Yes, yes. So pectin, as far as I know, um, basically is what kind of makes the jam jam. What what holds Mm -hmm. it all together. I'm assuming it's some sort of, I'm going to say protein. I don't know. It may not be a protein, but it's it's something that's naturally occurring in a lot of fruits. For certain fruits, I think like the strawberries and the things you have to add. You have to Mm -hmm. add pectin to it, which I'm assuming is from a fruit source. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or it's probably grown in some lab. And you can buy it at Kroger or any grocery store. Um, I think it's powdered. Yeah. Think, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it just holds everything together, and it's what makes it spreadable and not um, fall apartable and <laughs> keep all it keeps all the flavors together. <laughs> right. And so it, it makes it a jelly or whatever, mm-hmm. or makes it whatever you want it to keep it all together. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other books that we kind of looked at, but I chickened Which is really out. Nice. I chickened out, y'all. I chickened out of making a jam. Oh. It just, I've <laughs> never canned anything before. And I wanted to do, I have a whole lot of blueberries. And I wanted to do this blueberry citrus jam that comes mm-hmm. out of this book called Jam Session by Joyce Goldstein. And it looked, it looked very easy, but I just couldn't. Work up the courage to do it because it talked about putting it in jars afterward. And it was a very, it made a whole lot. And then you're supposed to can the rest of it. Like, I, I can't do it. I can't <laughs> can. I can't can. But I, I feel like I probably can. You can can. can. I can, can can. But I, I chickened out. And I feel kind of bad about that. No, you just feel bad. I think we (laughs) all feel that way when we're trying something new. And that's why trying new things is scary. And like you said, it's a... It's an investment of time and money, and you don't, you know, and then if your jam doesn't set, then you're like, oh, I failed in my yeah. jam. Like, it's pretty obvious it doesn't work. My yeah. mother had, with her pear butter, she had some struggles with the texture of that, I know, and it was very disappointing <laughs> to her when it, when it didn't work. It would, like, taste okay, but particularly if you're going to, like, oh, I'm going to make blueberry jam and give it to all my friends. And, and you're, then like, you're like, oh, well, close your eyes when you eat this. <laughs> It's not pretty, but... But that's how you learn. I would encourage you to go forth. And you could probably put it in the freezer, too. So there are some... You can kind of... Oh, yeah. The freezer jam. Maybe just just try a little batch. Just one. Yeah, just maybe have it so it's not so much. you can freeze the rest of the blueberries. Lay them out on a pan. Right. And you can say, okay. And then see how it goes. And then build up courage. Yes. Because I feel the same way you do. I mean, I, I really want to try something, and we, so we'll see. And if, and if we do, we'll let our listeners know that we yes. actually did it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope. Yes, there was one more preservation book that I wanted to talk about, and it's Preservation Pantry. And I felt like the recipes in this for actually preserving things were very complicated, mm-hmm. but I thought her whole instruction section at the front was very informative and very laid out. It's very visual. It's um, really pretty. Pictures book. of all the things you need, little illustrations. Oh, like how to pack them. That's yeah. important. Yeah. Um, and so it also an elevation chart for boiling, for mm-hmm. pressure canning that it takes longer. It's a very good resource for that. I feel like the 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 recipes might be a little um, a little frou frouy, mm. in my opinion. Um, well, it seemed. But I'm just gonna throw this out there. But it seemed kind of hipster. Oh yeah. What about nettle ricotta, says hipster? Yes. 
Yeah. Okay, there we go. Although they had nettles at the Good Foods Co-op the other day. I was impressed. Yeah. We used to go hard. Well, here's what. Cucumber and basil infused gin. So like, it's it's definitely, <laughs> they're, they're a little complex. But I think if you are ready to take your canning to the next level, you're going to oh, yeah. get some good. It's a beautiful, I mean, I have to say yeah. that it's a really nice book. That's the thing about putting foods by. It's a very practical. Like, yes. There's yeah. a practical woman in an apron telling you how to do this. <laughs> and the full, no nonsense. Yes. <laughs> and the foolproof preserving, um, which is America's Test Kitchen yes. book, was very nice too. Uh, so, and I, yep. they they know what they're talking about. Yeah. They they really do test all those things. Yeah. They're that's like I said. That's how I learned to cook was yep. from their magazine. I just tried stuff, and yeah. they always have the greatest recommendations for tools. Mm-hmm. I think they're very good. Trustworthy. Mm-hmm. It must be a fun place to work, I think. I would say yes. it probably is. And I, their show was on, on PBS. PBS on Saturdays, I think. Yeah. And I've watched it a few times and I'm just amazed how they'll come up with something and say, oh, we're, we, we tried 50 of these and this is how you now make a roast or something. Yeah. And you're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, they, but they did that for you. Right. Go, you know better. <laughs> yeah. That's why you can trust them. You can trust them. <laughs> a little shameless plug for them. Yes. <laughs> Aaron and I checked out a bunch of vegetable books since we were talking about preserving mm-hmm. your haul of, you know, yes. your vegetables in your garden or your going to the farmer's market. Um, I, I made two recipes out of the same book they're just really quick simple recipes and the book was eating well vegetables the essential reference which was a really nice book and i would i almost think i would probably i might think about purchasing this because i did use it quite a bit well it's like an encyclopedia and it's really really great um and so the first thing i made was because i had a lot of cherry tomatoes in my garden in my backyard i made mediterranean roasted broccoli and tomatoes. It's super simple, easy thing to do. Like the prep is pretty easy, and I had you know pretty much the things that you would have in your in your house. You know from your chair, you know your broccoli crowns, garlic, salt, a little bit of lemon zest, uh, black olives. I use Kamada olives. Oh not, yeah, that's the like only olive I can eat. I'm not. <laughs> really. all, black olives really taste like the can they yeah, or something they come yeah. in most of the time. Uh, has, and capers, which I'm a big fan of capers. Mm-hmm. And um, so basically, preheat your oven 450, roast your broccoli and your tomatoes together. Take that out, and then you're going to mix your oregano and your lemon juice, pour it over it. And it is just a really simple side dish to go with. Yeah. A, I enjoyed it. Well, and I love roasted broccoli. I feel like it makes it really mm-hmm. sweet. That yeah. like, oh, kind of caramelization it's is just amazing. If you don't like broccoli, you'll like. Roasted Roast in it. I agree. Yeah. I actually made something out of this book also. Um, oh, good. Yeah. I made the roasted rainbow carrots with sage brown butter mm. out of the side. And it was so good. And I had all the stuff already. I didn't go get, you know, rainbow carrots. I just had, you know, you baby carrots. Already. <laughs> yeah, and I was, carrots. we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. So I threw them in and it's super easy to make a brown butter. I mean, most of the time if you cook your butter too long you've got yeah, your butter, butter. Yeah. so just use it you know it, it makes it gives it a whole other flavor right profile very nutty your, yes you put your sage in and toss them and it's 
really good. Yeah, very so simple. Delicious. How did the very family quick. like it? Loved it. Even even the toddler ate it. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, she gave it a thumbs up. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, sage is delicious. There was a I oh, fried yes. little sage leaves once oh. long ago, and I used to cook for fun. And um, that was, yeah, that was one of the meals that stands have out sage in my, in, my gar- yeah. in my garden right now. Just maybe. a little olive oil. I just throw them in there, and there's like little crunchy. They're delicious. Oh, my That's God. That's so good. We must have maybe ate it with pork. I don't know what we ate it with. I don't remember what I ate it with, but I was just like, wow, I this mean, is a lot of work. Yeah. do that because yeah. I don't know what to do with my sage right now. Well, remember we made that, that sauce the from the Lydia book, and it yes. had sage in it. What if you fried it first Ooh. and then put it in? I probably would make that elevate that. Yeah. Because it would can, give it so much flavor. You yeah. can just and hang it up and dry it, too. Oh, yeah. And then there you go. So um, what else did you oh, yes. make? So yeah. I, I made a, a cauliflower. It was the dill and hervati mashed cauliflower. Dude, dill havarti is like my favorite cheese. It's <laughs> delicious. It was very... really good cheese. Yeah. Like so creamy. just a simple steaming your cauliflower. Of course, you know, if you have, you know, your food meal. I did not have... I don't have one of those. But you can just put it in your food processor and cream it up. It, just like a mashed potato. But, you know, of course it tastes like a little bit like cauliflower. But I like that taste. Mm-hmm. I think some people don't. But really simple salt and pepper, a little bit of butter... Low-fat milk, and yeah. just like you make a mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. and it was delicious, and I would definitely do that again. And I feel like all of these recipes you could do with frozen vegetables. Yes, you could. Absolutely. So. If you have any of this stuff frozen, yeah, you can just, like, get it out of the freezer. So. Well, I feel like talking about roasting frozen, I would almost let them thaw first because I feel like that would release a lot of water. Yeah, that's true. Put it right in. So, probably, yeah. Yeah, 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 you have to so let that drain. Yeah, think about that. Yeah. yeah. Good point. So I I highly recommend this book. I really, I think it's something that I definitely would use again and and might end up Mm -hmm. on my bookshelf at home. Yeah. Like Erin said, we did have a ton of books. Yes. Um, So it just wasn't practical for us to make something out of each one. But there is another one that's just a vegetable one that we didn't make anything out of. But But it's just a really good book. It's called The Vegetable Butcher. And it's how to actually prepare different vegetables. And that's really useful if maybe you've never cooked with a rutabaga before. This tells you what you need to do to it. Uh, Can you eat the skin? Can you not? You know, what are you... How to peel it. How to chop it. What are you going to do with it? It's a great book. Yeah. It's full of pictures, full of recipes for what to do with it once you've chopped it up. It's just a really, a really nice reference. Yes. That's useful because sometimes in the CSA you get like a bunch of kohlrabi and you're like, wow, I don't have any idea what to do with it. What am I going to do? So you can look it up in the vegetable butcher and then then proceed with confidence. I highly recommend it. I really do. That was one that we just wanted to mention real quick. And so the other thing that I cooked was from the Southern Vegetable Book. And this one's by Rebecca Lang. And, uh, Which is a nice book as well. <laughs> yes. It's published by Southern Living, so you know it's going to be full of good stuff. Yes. Um, <laughs> so this one... They have good actually, recipes. Yes. I, I have to say, there. I was pleased by the amount of um, pimento cheese. <laughs> I knew she here. was going to say that. I know. I know. I'm, I told you I'm a pimento cheese person. There's a we love pimento, pimento cheese. cheese. 
Um, that's got jalapeno and bell pepper and dill pickle juice. Mm. Shocking. Um, mm. And then the other thing that I almost made was the broccoli with pimento cheese sauce. Did we try to do something like that before? And it, what was that? It was that was the pimento cheese rice. Yeah. And yeah. it just wasn't okay. We did not like that. <laughs> no, we did not like that. I still so. have a bad, sad face for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What I ended up making was pepper jack grits poppers. Oh. And they're good. Oh, how cute. Yeah. They're a very good appetizer, and that's what she says to use it for in a book. But it also was a nice little side. So you just make your grits and then put your cheese in. I use this, the five-minute grits. So you make the grits, put the cheese in. This says to chill your grits overnight. I did not do that because I wanted it more immediately than <laughs> she saw <laughs> than cheese what it says. Yes, yes. Um, so I, instead, I just cooked them and then put them right into the peppers, which really hurt my fingers. <laughs> but the recipe turned out really maybe well. that's why they told you to. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I just did it hot, but um, it turned out really well. I ended up putting um, a little bit more parmesan on top just to give it a little bit of a crisp Mm -hmm. so do Um, you okay so you yeah so it's got pepper jack and it's got parmesan shredded do you put this in the oven after you stuff them yes okay so they go right in um they go under the broiler for four minutes okay and it's the little mini peppers so they're very very fast you know really five minutes and then they're burned so you gotta Mm -hmm. (laughs) pay attention to your oven yeah don't leave the kitchen while this yeah um but they were really very good uh we still have some left it makes a lot um, i would say yeah <laughs> yeah you have a lot of grits left over so what i did i just put them into a pan and then put more cheese on top of it and just baked that mm-hmm. and it turned into some really awesome cheese grits mm. so yeah so it was it was a very good recipe and this book is really nice too it's got a lot of pictures most recipe has a picture it may not have it right with it but there's these full page spreads that'll have multiple pictures of the different recipes a lot of these i'd say there are some that you can make like a main dish out of if you're vegetarian most of these are going to be sides also even though it's a vegetable book it's not exclusively vegetable so there's some blts there's Mm -hmm. all kinds of different meats in here that you can put in there was one thing that had country ham but it sounded really good and i was trying to figure out if i could just (laughs) leave the ham out (laughs) so i just saw something that said (laughs) sweet potato cornbread yes let's see if i can find that Mm, interesting i wonder i used to make sweet potato biscuits Oh, yeah, I've were heard fantastic. of that. And it was just literally biscuits, and they had like a cup of sweet potato in them. Mm. And they were they would fall apart, so you couldn't really like make a sandwich out of them. But they were very good. Yummy! Oh, out of the oven. It makes me think of fall. Yeah, yeah. sweet potatoes yeah. are good. Sweet potato cornbread. It talks about the debate of sweet or not mm. cornbread. Yes, um, but it actually has a pumpkin pie spice in it. Oh, uh, sour cream, and uh, mm. a lot of eggs. About five eggs wow. for a cornbread. It's so. almost like, yeah, pudding at that point. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I'm sure the texture turns out like a, a cornbread, but it, it does seem like it sounds a little more like a pudding. Yeah, than, yeah that's a so, whole lot of eggs. Yeah. So, I don't know. I may try that out and see what happens because that sounds pretty good. And I, I wonder really if it's like, like a spoon potatoes. bread. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they've got a picture of it. It looks just like... Oh. Oh, cornbread. it looks like cornbread, yeah. So How maybe, world maybe it tastes a little more like maybe a you need sweet that potato corn cake. To, like, lift the sweet potato. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. So we might have to try that. Yeah. 
Thank you, Blaine. Oh, yes, thank you, thank you so Blaine, very for joining much. Us. And thank we're you, very everybody. Yes, and we're very excited to have our very first guest. So thank you for yeah. doing very that. Much. Yes, and you can can. Yes, <laughs> that's gonna be our that's motto. My, that's our motto. <laughs> so thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. The books we reviewed on this special doubling episode were. Putting Food by by Janet Green, Ruth Hertzenberg, and Beatrice Vaughn. The Southern Vegetable Book by Rebecca Lang. The Vegetable Butcher by Kara Mangini. Eating Well Vegetables from the editors of Eating Well. Preservation Pantry by Sarah Marshall. Foolproof Preserving from America's Test Kitchen. And Jam Session by Joyce Goldstein. If you've enjoyed listening, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you have any questions for us about the cookbooks we reviewed or books you would like us to review, you can contact us at our website, www.lexpublive.org slash podcast. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Erin. And we'll be back next time with more cookbooks and recipes to share.